Well, i got to tell you all, this is the um, first time in the life of our church, I think it is, somebody may correct me right after, after worship today, but I think it's the first time that the chairman of our church is younger than me. Um, I think, and boy, Dave Sorek, I may have really insulted him. I, maybe Dave is younger than me, come to think of it. So, Anyway, anybody watch any football yesterday? Hey, it is kind of nice to see a Big Ten team lose. Uh, looking ahead, I, that's a bad attitude. It's, it's, it's sinful of me. Uh, anyway, but I, my brother's lived in Wisconsin since uh, the 60s, and so I'm looking forward to calling him up this afternoon. I, I thought about doing it last night, and I thought, uh, better not do that. So anyway, but what a great game to watch, and so let, let's get serious here. Um, wouldn't you agree with me that there are certain years in our life that are more significant than others? I think, uh, you know, going way back in my life, I, I really liked turning 16, got my driver's license, and uh, that, was a, that was a pretty cool thing. That was an important year in my life. I think, I think decades also tend to be significant. For some reason, our 50th birthdays, they're the big ones, you know, lots of humor, over-the-hill cards, birthday parties where everybody comes dressed in black. I don't know if anybody has ever been to one of those. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure why. But the decade change that I'm experiencing this year, 2011, feels more significant to me than any I've gone through. See, I'm a, in April, I'm going to turn 60. And, uh, you know, and it, 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 it might be the, the realization that, that I really do have fewer years to maximize the life that God's given me. And it's not like I can continue to assume, though I don't think you ever can, but I, even less so now, I, I, I can't really continue to assume that I've got 30 plus years you know, to do ministry ahead of me. Though it's nice that uh, Becky heard the interview with Billy Graham recently. I don't know if anybody caught that. He's now 92 years old and as sharp as can be. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that maybe I'll, I'll be that way. But I, so, you know, I don't have a problem with turning 60. But what I do find myself thinking about quite a lot and, and wanting to prepare for is how to make the most of these next 10 years. If God gives me, you know, 10 more years and, and I can, you know, do ministry and why turn 70, I, I, I want to do it with a certain sense of peace that I made the most of these years that God gave me. I, I really agree with what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 90 in verse 12, where he said, teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. I, I, I really love that and, and believe in that. To some extent, what I'm thinking about these days, I, we all think about at the beginning of each new year. We want to maximize every year God gives us. We don't want wasted years in our life. We want, we want every one of our years to be years of spiritual growth, years where, where we achieve a certain measure of success at home, at work, at school, in every part of our lives. And so here we are again today at the beginning of another new year, one day down and 364 days 
to go, a full year to maximize. And I would say certainly the best time right now for us to think about what to do to make the most of every one of these days that this year brings. Because it really is a day-by-day thing, and so we got to start now. We're going to maximize it. So this morning and, and next Sunday, I'd like to take a very high-level look at what to do. And I'd like us to see where to center ourselves to guide us in every decision and choice that we make in 2011. So we're going we're gonna to talk about loving God today and trusting God next Sunday. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident that if we center ourselves in these two, we'll come to the end of this year with a, a d- deep sense of, of fulfillment and, and satisfaction. And as important as this is for us, it will also be able to impact the lives of other people in a very good and positive way. So Today we're going to begin with loving God. If you've got your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to the 12th chapter of Mark's Gospel. If you don't, we're going to put the scripture up, up on the screen. So Mark chapter 12, in verse 28, we read this. One of the teachers of the law uh, came and heard them debating. Now, who, who that's talking about is that Jesus Christ was having a debate with a group of religious leaders known as the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection. And so Jesus Christ was having a conversation with them uh, about that. And then we read this. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Matthew also writes about this encounter between uh, Jesus and the religious leaders, and the added bit of insight that he gives us has to do with who this teacher of the law is and what motivated him to ask the question. And so here's, here's what Matthew wrote. Uh, And in chapter 22 of his gospel, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So they they had like this little uh, uh, session together and and they kind of came up with a plan of of what they were going to do to test Jesus Christ. And so we read this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. And here's the question again, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So evidently. This, this teacher of the law was recognized by his peers at, for his expertise, his peers being the Pharisees. And so he's their choice for bringing this question to Jesus, a question intended to test Jesus. And, 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 and what we find out is that they were impressed with his response to the Sadducees and, and, and now they want to know what he says about the law. And I don't know what they expected him to say or what they hoped he would say, but what he said at least landed well with the guy who asked him the question. So verse 29, we read this. The most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that, that God is one and there's no other, no other but him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from and then uh, Mark writes, from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. 
Now, Pharisees were no friends of, of Jesus. But this expert in the law who asked the question was very impressed with the answer Jesus gave. He, he knew the Old Testament scripture well enough to know that God repeatedly emphasized that loving him and loving people was far more important to God than any number of burnt offerings and sacrifices that a person might make. He knew this and, and, and so he, he complimented, he commended Jesus Christ for, for what he said. And so Jesus Christ returns the compliment and, and, and did it genuinely. He, 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 he said to this guy, you're not far from the kingdom of God. See, this guy understood what mattered to God. When it, when it came to this key spiritual truth, he got it. And, and, and what this revealed to Jesus was an openness to, in this man to God's word. And, and, and Jesus knew that if, if, if this continued, it would lead him to recognize his own spiritual need. And, and he would ultimately come to that point of recognizing he needed a savior. Now, let's go back to the question he asked in the, in, and the answer Jesus gave, because that's what we're looking at today. And his question was this. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Which one is the most important to God? That was a very good question. In fact, I would say that's the most important question any one of us could ask. I'd say it's the right question for us to ask ourselves at the beginning of this year. What matters the most to God? And again, the Lord, the answer Jesus Christ gave, he said, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and then love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let's just think about how to apply this to our lives as we begin this year. First of all, I'd say it's important to know that the answer Jesus gave was based on Scripture itself. He said that loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength is, as he said this, that it's the greatest command. He was quoting from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy from the sixth chapter. And there's two things I think about this not to miss. The first one is this. Our spiritual well-being in this next year is determined by our knowledge of and our devotion to God's word. This, this is what becomes obvious by how Jesus answered the question. You see, he didn't pull something out of the air. He didn't make something up that, you know, instead what he did, his answer was based on God's word. And I'd say that this alone, Jesus Christ himself basing his life on God's word shows us that our spiritual well-being is determined by, by our, our knowledge of and our devotion to scripture. And so I want to put this out in front of all of us right away as we begin this year. How we're going to end this year spiritually, the, the degree of success in our life coming out at the end of this year all is, is so much based on our knowledge of God's word, what we're doing to build God's word into our lives and how committed we are to, to living it out. The second thing I, I think it shows us that we need to think about is that every one of us have an impact on the lives of other people. All of us through this year are going to make a lot of decisions and a lot of choices. And some of those decisions and some of those choices are not only going to impact our lives, it's going to impact the lives of people that we influence. And most important being, if we're a parent, being our children. I think it's, it shouldn't be missed 
that in that passage that Jesus quoted from, Deuteronomy chapter 6, which, by the way, follows the chapter, the fifth chapter, gives, gives those Ten Commandments. But here's the, here's the statement that was made. Moses, speaking to the parents, said this, and Jesus quoted this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all, all your strength. And then, and then speaking to parents, he said this. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, parents. That's where it starts. God's word has got to be so important to you that you're getting God's word inside of your life, inside of your heart. You're living out that, that God's, God's word in your own life. You're being obedient to God. And then he said, we've got to turn around and teach our children. And so he said in verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And I don't know if you remember, but last year Jeff and I did a series of sermons on, on that very passage. And we talked about that the responsibility that we have as parents to teach our children the truth of God's word. You know, one of the things I realize, uh, that never stops for us as parents. And it's not something we do just when our kids are, are little kids or when they're in high school or when they're in college. But I tell you what, you do that when, you're, when your children are in their 30s, is living out your faith and modeling that faith so they can see it in your life. And then, and then having spiritual conversations with your 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds. You, you don't stop doing that as, as a parent. Now, let's see what's important to know about this command. The command being, and this is the one they have in front of us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. First of all, we learn something from the word love itself, and it's this. Both the Hebrew word and the Greek word for love put the emphasis on action, what we do, showing us that love isn't so much how we feel about God. It isn't so much our emotions, though it's that too. But more important, it's about what we do. We show our love for God by our commitment to doing what's right. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote three books at the end of the New Testament that are known for what they tell us about loving God and loving and loving people. And in the fifth chapter, he makes a statement that, that clearly defines what it means for us to love God. And he, he said this, it's just very straightforward. He said, this is love for God to obey his commands. John's saying that the number one way for you and I to know whether or not we are really loving God is if we're obedient to the word of God, if we're obedient to God's commands from, from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end of the Bible. See, this eliminates any confusion on whether or not we love God because it all comes down to what we do and we don't do in response to God's word. For example, we read in God's word that we're to tell the truth. Every time we tell the truth, we're, we're loving God. We read in God's word that we're to live in hum, with, with a humility that's considerate and willing to put others before ourselves. And when we live this way, we're, there, we, we're then loving God. We read in God's word that we're to forgive. And when we do forgive, it's then that we're loving God. We read in God's word that we're to care for the poor. And, and, and so what, what just happened last year with all the coats that were given and 
warm clothing. When we've done that, when we've met the need of another person at that time, we're, we're saying to God, we love you. We love you, God. That's why we're doing that. Now, there's a second half to what John wrote in that third verse that I, I think is so important not to miss because it shows us why God's commands are commands that we want to, want to guide our life. John said this, and again, uh, he said, this is love for God to obey his commands. And he said, his commands are not burdensome. You know what, what John is really saying to, to us, putting it in, in our language today? He's saying, God doesn't want to shut down the joy in our life. God doesn't want to make our life any less satisfying. Instead, the truth is, every one of God's commands are for our own good. Every command God gave us was given in God's wisdom and God's love, God wanting the very best for us. Now, again, come back to that statement. There's a word I want us to notice. It's, he said, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, that little word points to the kind of love where we're, to use that word again, we're all in, 100%. No holding back. We're, we're not dividing our lives into compartments where we're, we're allowing God to be God of one part of our life, but, but not another part of, a life, of our life. Instead, we're surrendering every part of our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so who we are at home. Loving God means we're husbands and wives who love and respect and care for each other. It means we're parents who model integrity and genuine love in our relationship with our children. It means we're children who respect and love and obey our parents, who we are at work. Loving God means we live out our faith in such a way that we're the kind of person that makes where we work a better place because we're there. Our co-workers would describe us as being respectful and kind and diligent in everything we do. Who we are in our neighborhood. Loving God means we're the kind of neighbor others are glad to have in the neighborhood. We're considerate, we're thoughtful, we're cooperative, we're helpful. <laughs> and then what we do when we're alone or we're away from our family and our friends. Loving God means we're committed to not compromising what we know is right when there's no chance of anyone we know knowing what we're doing. You see, we take this to every single part of our lives and we say, God, I'm all in, 100% of myself. I'm committed to, to walking in obedience to your word. Now, all of this brings us to a key question, I think the big question. And it says, how do we grow in our love for God? How's that possible? What, what is it that, that, that we got to do so that we're going to be increasingly motivated, inspired to, to love God the way Jesus said we're to love God? Well, I thought, I thought about that a lot as I put this sermon together. And I, I, I believe it comes down to how well we know God. First of all, how well we know God. 
And then how much we recognize God's love and God's faithfulness in our, in our, in our own lives. And, you know, in some ways we can compare this to the love we have for another person. Especially if we're married, the love we have for the person we're married to. Becky and I celebrated our, our 38th wedding anniversary on December 22nd. We, we went out on our first date in January of that same year, 1972. That, some of you are going like, 1972, you know, did they drive cars back? Yeah. But anyway, so I, I got to tell you, I went, I went home that evening pretty much convinced that I just had a date with the person I was going to marry. I started falling in love with Becky that evening. But now, 38 years later, my love for Becky is so much greater, it's not even possible to compare my love then with the love I have for her today. And you know what? It all has to do with how much more I know Becky now and how much I've experienced her love and faithfulness to me through these many years. It's this way with God. The more we know everything that's true about God, the more we're going to grow in our love for God. I mean, just, I mean, I, I think, for example, what Paul wrote in the second chapter of Philippians, where he described the, the, the humbling of Jesus Christ, where he said, though he was, he was by nature God, though he had equality with God, he, he experienced all of what it means to be God for, for all of eternity, yet he was willing, the word of God says, to humble himself and become obedient to death even even death that took him to a cross where he died for each one of us. I mean, in a few minutes here, we're going we're gonna to celebrate communion together. I just find myself overwhelmed with, with love for God when I think about what God's son, Jesus Christ, did for me. Yeah. And then, along with that, the more we've experienced and recognized God's love and faithfulness in our, our lives, the, the more we, more we understand it, the more we're going to love God. I, I'm, I'm, some of you know that I've, for many years, I've read one psalm every day, and I just keep on doing it. I just keep going through, through the psalms that way. And, and I, I'm so glad that, that um, I, on, on the last day of last year, I, um, in the morning, in my personal time, I, I came to Psalm 103. That's the psalm for the day for me. And as I, I, I you know, I, my intention was just spend a little time on that, but I ended up spending about an hour in this passage just praising God and thanking God for everything he's done for me. Let me just read this for you. Psalmist writes, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. 
He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from, listen to this, but from ever lasting to everlasting eternity past and eternity future the lord's love with is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children i mean just you know i i read something like that and i think about all the faithfulness of god in my life you know i can't help but fall in love with god so this morning as, as we share and we in communion together and we eat this bread, and I'm going to ask our hosts if they'll come forward and, and just begin to distribute. But, you know, if you've got your Bible with you, you might just open up Psalm 103 and just read it to yourself as you prepare your heart for communion or, or you know, just spend this time in prayer. And when everybody, you know, our, our, our communion is open for anyone who's a follower, believer in Jesus Christ, and um, I'll, I'll come back. Just hang on to your bread and cup, and, and I'll come back and, and lead us in communion. Okay? Let's, uh, let's just use this time to thank God for his, his grace and his love. Okay?